Today is Tisha B'Av, and on Tisha B'Av we have to talk about things that we're not necessarily so comfortable talking about and thinking about throughout the year. Only great men, only great tzaddikim were able to think about the hurban, about the destruction of the Beit HaMikdash during the year on a nightly basis. They got up in the middle of the night to sit on the floor and to think about the hurban and to cry. But for the regular Jewish person, the Chazal gave us three weeks in the year to face this reality of Qurban. And the Chazal gave us a certain avodah, something that we need to do to deal with this Qurban. This is what we call mit'abel al-Yerushalayim, to feel avelut for Yerushalayim. I want to try to go into the sugya a little bit. It's early in the day. We have an entire day before us and we want to use it as best as possible. I'm going to start off with a story that's brought down in the Sefarim of a conversation that takes place between one of the greatest philosophers of all time. His name was Plato. He was the teacher of Aristotle. He was a great, great philosopher, a brilliant man. And he has a conversation as it's recorded. He has a conversation with Yirmiyah Hanavi, with the prophet Yirmiyah. He finds the prophet sitting at the site of the Beit HaMikdash where it was destroyed. And he sees the prophet crying. He sees the prophet mourning. He sees the prophet lament, he's lamenting. He's saying, Kinot. And the philosopher approaches him. And he says to him, you're one of the smartest men around. Yirmiyanovi, your name, travels from one side of the globe to the other. I don't understand why you're crying so much. And he asked him two questions, very philosophical questions. The first question he told him was pain comes from when a certain, when a person had a certain attachment to something and he lost that attachment. That pain of losing what he's attached to is what causes the pain and suffering, let's say, for example, if somebody passes away, somebody close, a parent, a child, a sibling. So the attachment was tremendous. So the pain of that change that takes place, when those ties are severed, that is a tremendous pain for a person. And the same thing we say, Lamashal, the Gemara says, if a person steals his friend's money, it's like he took his soul from him. Because the human nature is that their attachment to their money is tremendous. So when you take a person's money from him, the thing that he's extremely attached to, you're hurting the person in a way, it's like you're taking his life from him. That's how painful the pain is when you are taken away from something you're attached to. So he says to him, 
Why are you so attached to this building? That it's causing you so much pain. So what if the Beit HaMikdash was destroyed? Why is that so painful for you? Why are you so attached to it as if you lost a loved one? That was the first question he asked him. The second question he asked him was as follows. He says it's not logical for a person as smart as yourself to sit here and cry over this. Get used to your new reality. Embrace your new reality. You have to move on with life. A lot of people suffer losses. You need to be able to acclimate to the new situation you have in life. Get comfortable in your new position. Become industrious. Join the nations of the world. This is your situation today. You don't have Jerusalem. You don't have Yerushalayim. You don't have the kingdom. You don't have the Beit HaMikdash. So what? Life comes to an end? Can't move forward? You get stuck in your grieving? You get stuck in your pain? You can't move? That's not a logical thing to do. should be able to move forward in life. And adjust to the situation that you're in. Those are the two philosophical questions that Plato asked Yirmiyah Novi. Before Yirmiyah Novi answered him back, Yirmiyah told him, I'm sure as a philosopher, you have many questions. Very difficult questions that you can't figure out. Tell me your questions. So Plato, Plato went and he tells Yirmiyah Novi all his deep questions that he's struggling with. And Yirmiyah Novi, Kelachayat means like with the back of his hand, in two seconds, answered all his problems. And he blew this guy away. Couldn't imagine how smart this man is. And he tells Yirmiyah Novi, now I have even a bigger question. You're smarter than I thought you were in the first place. How could you be behaving like this? So Yirmiyah says, I'm going to answer your first question, but not your second question. Your first question was, why am I so attached to this building? Well, this is where I got all my chokhmah from. This is not just a building. This was the attachment to Hashem. This is where the Ruach HaKodesh comes from. This is where the prophecy comes from. This is where the power, the above human power comes from. The abilities is the attachment to Hashem. And the attachment to Hashem is the ultimate attachment. And if you sever ties with that, and to be able to deal with the change of this becoming part of the regular mundane world without the connection to Hashem, is a pain that's enormous. And therefore I'm crying so much. That's your first question. Your other question is, why don't I be able to move on? Why am I grieving? Why am I being mitabed? He says, you're a non-Jew. And no matter how smart you are, you will never understand the answer to this question. What the simple Jew, who's not nearly as smart as you, Mr. Plato, can understand this. But you, as smart as you are, the greatest philosopher of all time, 
will never understand the answer to this question. So what is the answer to the question? For us. What is the answer to the question? And the answer is a basic fundamental, which I think we need to get clarity in, and it will help us through life. We need to understand that a Jewish person lives with a basic emunah of hashkaha piratit. The basic emunah of hashkaha piratit is that we always have something to work on. No matter what the situation is. No matter what the situation is, you cannot see a way out of it. It's the worst situation possible. But there is always avodah to do in that situation. There is growth to happen in that situation. And no matter how stuck you are, you can't see a way out. But even though you cannot see a way out, there is avodah to do. I'm going to try to expound on the subject. It's a new idea for those here who've never heard this from me before. This is a very important point in Avodah. That the place of pain, the place that hurts the most, is in itself the vehicle to drive you to the greatest heights in Avodah Hashem, is the pain itself. You're not looking to change a situation where you can't change. A person loses a child. You cannot revive the dead. Finish. He's not coming back. So a person gets to a point where he's stuck. He's in a pit. He can't move from the pit. That's where people despair. We know that human reaction to such type of thing is one of four reactions. We see this when the Jewish people left Egypt. The Jews left Egypt. They have the Egyptians behind them enraged. The Egyptians to start with were pretty dangerous people. They enslaved an entire nation and made them suffer mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually. And now the Jewish people ran away. And a slave has never ever escaped Egypt. Never happened. So they're extremely enraged. And the Jewish people are now stuck in front of the sea. They have the Midbar on one side, they have the sea in front of them, and they have the Egyptians behind them. They're in an impossible situation. Impossible. And we see that the Jewish people had multiple reactions. Some people wanted to jump in the sea and commit suicide. Because it's hopeless. There's nothing they can do about it. Others wanted to surrender to this reality no matter how harsh it is. Others wanted to even pray in a way that that's not the way prayer is. God, there's nothing I can do. It's all in your hands. That means that they felt that it's impossible for them to do anything in Avodah at that point. Different reactions the Jewish people had. Different reactions. Those are all reactions that I'm in a position in life that it is impossible in the reality to move out of this position. Impossible. What did Hashem tell them? Daber el b'nei Yisrael Walk. But there's water there. Hashem says your avodah is to go into the world of above nature. That's your avodah. 
That Peshachayim says this is a concept of bitahon. And the standard understanding of bitahon just doesn't make sense. Bitahon is that Hashem put a place for you to work even though you cannot understand how that's going to happen. But if he says walk, you walk. And you trust him that he knows what he's doing. And he will take you. So in the most impossible situation in life, there is always a Daber el Bnei Israel v'Yisar. You have to make Avodah. When the destruction of the Beis Hamikdash and Plato wanted that Yirmi Anobi should accept the new reality and to surrender to the new reality, there's no more Malchut Shamayim. There's no more of that stuff. It's a new reality. Embrace the new reality. Yirmiyah Novi says, this a non-Jew cannot understand what that means. That there's no such thing that you ever reach a place where there's nothing more to grow. And nothing more to do. And we can bring back the Beit HaMikdash no matter what the difficult situation is. And the place of pain itself is the vehicle by which to grow. We have a little time, I'm going to try to bring this Yisod deeper and deeper and bring it down to the practical. You just have to follow the steps of the sugya. Okay? So this is the step one. You see this unbelievable thing. We know we say, David Miller says, If one forgets Yerushalayim, forget my right hand. What does that mean? If one forgets the reality of life, forgetting Yerushalayim means you forgot the purpose of life. And the Jewish people take an oath. And they turn to Hashem. And they say to Hashem, if we ever, ever forget the purpose of life, and we get comfortable in Galut, and we embrace the new reality of life without the Shekhinah, then you better twist my arm and remind me. The Jewish people accepting tzarot hurt my arm. Make me thirsty. I will never forget the purpose of life. That means the tzarot that we have and the suffering that we have is to remind us what the real purpose in life. The suffering itself is the vehicle. By which to bring a person to the reality of what needs to be done. There's an unbelievable midrash in Echa. On the pasuk says, balayla. Cry out at night. Midrash says that at night the voice travels. During the day there's a lot of noise. But at night the voice travels. And it says a story about a woman who lost a child. Hazita. She had a baby. And she lost this child and she was crying at night. While everybody's sleeping, she can't sleep at night. She lost the child. And the voice traveled. And one of the great rabbis lived in her vicinity. And he heard the voice of this mother crying. So what happened? He started to sit on the floor and cry along with her. And then from that crying, he went and he started to cry about the Bet HaMikdash being destroyed. So you see, number one, the source of all problems 
that we have today is it rooted in the fact that we don't have a Beit HaMikdash. This woman had a private problem. She lost a child. But the rabbi understood that the source of all problems that we have come from that place of the destruction of the Beit HaMikdash. And he was in pain for the woman. The rabbi was a very compassionate person. He was in pain for this woman. But he took the emotion, the painful emotion, and what did he do with it? He made avodah. He was able to use it to be mitabel on Yerushalayim. It's not easy to be mitabel on Yerushalayim. It's an emotion. It's a feeling. It's a place that has to touch your heart. You don't have that opportunity every day. But he was able to take a place of pain where he felt the pain. And he was able to channel it to avodah. That's what we do with pain. We don't despair from pain. We channel the pain to the place of Avodat Hashem. It's a very important yesoid, a very important foundation that we need to get. I saw in Sefarim of great rabbis that they write, if a person finds himself in a situation where he's lonely, people are sometimes, they're away, they're away from their home, they're away from their family, they're lonely. Sometimes a person was a very active person. He raised the family, raised kids. Now the kids got married. They went on. They have children. Everybody's busy with their own lives. And this once upon a time active person who everybody looked up to him, he was the leader of his home today, sitting by himself. It's a very painful feeling to be in. The loneliness. The rabbis say that when you feel that feeling of loneliness, you should start thinking about what does Hashem feel like. He's also lonely. You think anybody remembers him? He doesn't have a place to live. He doesn't have a bet HaMikdash. He's also lonely. So you can identify with that pain and connect him with Abel al-Yerushalayim. So we're seeing for step one in this Yisoyed that there is nothing in life which is a situation which we have to despair. And we say it's impossible to change the problem. It's true, it's impossible to change the problem. You may be stuck. But you have to find a place in that pain that a person could grow in that pain. He can reach the highest levels that he ever reached in his life because of the pain. Without that pain, he would never reach those levels. And I want to take that you a little deeper here, a little bit stronger, just to understand. When we sit down on Tisha B'Av, this was only a hakdam introduction to what we need to do. Because on Tisha B'Av, we need to face certain realities, but we're not supposed to become broken and feel like there's no way out with this problem. We need to find a place to make the work. In this realistic place, people don't like to look at reality. Because when you look at reality and you face reality, sometimes it's not so pretty. And if it's not so pretty, it's uncomfortable because then you're stuck in that thing and you don't know how to get out. But if we understand that we have an avodah to do in every situation, then we could face that reality and find the avodah. We know today we're sitting on the floor. We are mourning the destruction of the Beit HaMikdash. If we have to mourn, if we have to feel this emotion, that means obviously it has to be perceived as a fresh destruction. Call 
דור, any generation, שלא נבנה בית המקדש בימיו, בית המקדש was not built in his generation, כאילו נחרב בימיו. We have to see it as a fresh tragedy. If it was a tragedy from 2,000 years ago, we're not going to sit on the floor. Just like if a person hears about a death many, many years later, he doesn't sit on the floor. That means it has to be a fresh tragedy. A fresh tragedy means we have to see how does Hurban Abayit manifest itself in my world. And if I see how it manifests itself in my world, then I understand the tragedy and I can face it and deal with it. So our generation is well known to everybody. It's called the generation of Ikvita de Mashiach. The generation which is the footsteps of Mashiach. The generation that's right before Mashiach. Now we open the Gemara, and you read the Gemara, what it says about what our generation is going to look like. And it's very, very sad what our generation is going to look like. It looks like it's almost impossible to do anything. Ha'emet ne'ederet. The truth will be trampled upon. Yirehet yim'asu. Those that fear sin will be despised by people. The chutzpah is going to be unimaginable how much chutzpah there's going to be. The mother will stand up to her, the daughter will stand up to her mother. The son will stand up to his father. The elders are going to have to stand up in front of the youngsters. They're going to have to give kavod to the youngsters, not the youngsters giving kavod to the elders. The meeting places, the bedvad is going to be a bedvad lisnut. There's going to be arayot, there's going to be chutzpah. The truth will be trampled upon. Sounds scary what life in a spiritual sense is going to look like. And I want to tell you a yesoid, a chidush, but it's a yesoid. Rabbi Rucham talks about and others. The Yitzhara is not only interested in your soul. The Yitzhara is interested in your emotions and your psych- psychological state of mind, your health and well-being. Because if the Yitzhara can break you emotionally, and he can break you mentally, and he can hurt you physically, you can't serve Hashem either. He's not only interested in you doing Averot. He's interested in breaking a human being. Where the human being is not fit to be someone who serves Hashem. And we see this all happening in front of our eyes. We see today the problems that exist in the emotional health and well-being of human beings. It's not normal. We see the problems... That people have that they need to see professional help for it. We have physical problems, sicknesses that come from all our tavot. And also yetzara, and the chutzpah, and everything you want to mention in that chazal is in front of our face. So when we look at that chazal and we look at it like a real man, you face it on, on your tisha b'av, you have to look at the thing. That's what it says our generation is. That's the churban. That's the manifestation of the Hurban today. Now what? Are we supposed to say it's impossible to deal with the situation? How are we supposed to fight and deal with the problems that society puts in front of us? Which we're going to try to talk about a little bit. How the Yetzirah was able to take technology. How he was able to take the internet, the, the, the iPhones, the smartphones, the social media, the metaverse. 
I'm going to try to go delve into it a little deeper to understand how it affects us. How the Yetzirah was given permission to do to us what he did. Some people look at the problem and they say the problem is impossible to deal with. We can't deal with the problem. We just have to face the new reality and just go with it. Some people become totally lost from it. How many children, how many kids from good families got lost to these things? And we don't know what to do. So we need to face this reality in the eyes of the Torah. What does the Torah want us to do with this reality? The reality of the chutzpah. The reality of this change of mentality of the sense of entitlement that little younger people have. We have to, we have to try to delve into that. But before we go into that, I want to go a little bit background here. To understand life in a broader sense. We know that Adam Harishon, he was in Gan Eden. In Gan Eden was a pure and holy place. There was no evil, there was no Tum'ah, there was nothing like that in the Gan Eden. All that was outside of Gan Eden. It was outside. And Adam Harishon, from within Gan Eden, was supposed to attack the Tum'ah and destroy it from outside. But when Adam Arishon made a sin, what happened was, he made a tremendous kilkul, a destruction in the humanity, where the evil now entered into Adam Arishon, no longer outside of his domain. It now became part of his reality. Chazal tell us that when Adam Arishon sinned, he was the root soul to all the souls that exist. And from that point on in history, for the next 6,000 years, divided among 600,000 root souls, we have a job to fix the problem, the kilkul that Adam HaRishon created within us. Every human being has something specific that he needs to deal with, and that is the tikkun to the sin of Adam HaRishon. Collectively, each generation has to deal with something. For example, in the time that they had to deal with Avodah Zarah. Avodah Zarah was the idea that they had to deal with at that time. And special Nishamot are chosen for that mission. The ones that can deal with that Avodah. And we move from generation to generation dealing with a different problem. Each generation has their thing. In the time of the second Beit HaMikdash, they had to deal with Sinat Hinam, which is Midot. That was what they had to work on. Each generation needs to deal with something and they have to fix that problem. So that's how we have to look at life. If we were chosen to be born... In the ikvas of the Mashiach, in this time before Mashiach, with this tremendous amount of Tum'ah, we have to understand that we were chosen for a certain mission and we have the abilities to deal with that. And we must. Because that's what we were given this mission for. And in the time before Mashiach, the Ramchal and many sources speak about, which will be the most difficult battle, the final battle, will be the most difficult battle, which means 
And every bocher in this room should listen to this clearly. And if you're not in this room, you'll hear it too, maybe on the, on the live stream. You have to understand that only the best and the finest and the strongest and the holiest neshamot are chosen from this generation, for this generation. That's what it says in Kabbalah. It's not Yaakov or Harry's Hidush. The words in Kabbalah is that these are neshamot from the Hechal of Mashiach. What does that mean in simple layman's term? What is Mashiach's job? Mashiach is the one who is going to be mevatel the Ran Debriah, show you the emptiness in the Ran Debriah. And Megalel is going to reveal the Kavod Shamayim. That means that the souls that are born before Mashiach have this power to be mevatel the Ran Megalek Kavod Shamayim. That's the power of our generation. So to be in the test, you have to live in it. But in the test means you have to have the power to overcome it too. And we have to try to understand it a little bit. It's a short speech, I can't give you all these deep things, like the whole idea. We're going to try to get one or two things out on the table here. Okay? Just quickly, we see today, people have a tremendous desire for money. To have more and more money, how much you're worth. You have enough money to spend. You can buy a house and two houses and deal and Brooklyn and this and Florida, whatever you want. You have enough money for your kids and your grandkids, but you still need more money. How much is the guy worth? The number's now becoming like big, a hundred million, okay. Billion dollars, you know, real money. How much you worth? And that's a big desire by people to have worth. Desire by people is to own, to buy. People are thirsty, they're always shopping and buying. And especially buying property that doesn't move. And build a big, huge house. Used to be for 10 kids, a small, moderate house, enough room. Now you need, like, forget about a half a block. That's becoming standard, you know? Where's this big desire coming from? Where's it come from? All of a sudden, we went Majnoon. We have a Taibus Mummin. We have a desire for money and property like we never had before. So I'm going to tell you what it is. It's special for our generation. You know why? Because the, the, the Midrash says in Nassau that Hashem had a desire to reveal Himself in this world, in the lowest world. Hashem wanted to set a dwelling place for Himself in this world. That means we are going to see Hashem. You're going to see Hashem in the ground, in the marketplace, in the homes. Down to the bottom ground, that's where we're going to see Hashem. The world is going to be Hashem's world. You're going to see Hashem everywhere. That means innate inside a person who belongs to this generation, who has that desire to carry out the mission, to reveal Hashem's reality in the world, on the ground, in your house, in your home, to reveal His reality. If your home works with Chesed and Kedusha, you reveal Hashem in your house. You went to business and you did business you revealed Hashem in your business. Not reveal Hashem in the holiest of holy places. Reveal Hashem in the lowest of lowest places, on the ground. That's the job of this generation. So the Yetzirah gets you to what? A distortion of that koach. To use this koach to manifest yourself in this world. Self-manifestation. Instead of using it as a way to bring out Megala Hashem, 
You need to be Megala yourself. So where do I stand? Where am I established? I'm established in the epitome of materialism. It's the same Kawach. Just it's a distortion of the same Kawach. And that is the secret to the entire Avoidah. We know that the Gemara says, when the Anshay Kresak came to, to stop the Avodah Zarah, what happened? When they came to stop the Avodah Zarah, fire went out of Kodesh Kodashim. And at that same time that the fire went out of Kodesh Kodashim, we lost prophecy. That means the same root, that same root that comes from Kodesh Kodashim, which makes prophets make of their Avodah Zarah. Because of their Avodah Zarah takes that power, that passion, and it distorts it to Avodah Zarah. And that is the secret of life. The way our work is to mavatal the Ra, what does it mean to mavatal the Ra? To see how the kohot hanefesh are being used in a distorted way. The Gemara says they wanted to take away arayot. Imagine that. Life would have been great. They wanted to take away arayot. They said once we have Hashem listening to us, let's take away arayot. And when they took away arayot, you know what happened? No kids. That means, Arayot is not just a thing in itself, like a crazy thing in itself, and then there's having children, which is the normal thing, so you take away the crazy thing and you have the normal thing. Arayot is distortion of the real thing. So if you're going to take away the root, you're going to take away the real thing with it. So what does Bittal Ara mean now, according to this way of explaining myself? The point of Bittal Ara is to see... The distortion in the way the koach is being used and use it the right way. Not change your reality. In your, in our generation, our reality is that we want to manifest Hashem in our life. That's what we want. So we need to direct it that way. Make Yishimot. Make students. Make care of organizations. I don't know. Use the koach in the correct way. That's the tikkun. The tikkun is to use the koach in the correct way. When you see that the koach is being used in the wrong way, you have to look at it and say, hey, what's going on here? Where does this koach come from? This is a very important thing to understand. Let's try to understand quickly, the time is going, a little bit about the chutzpah yazgi. And we'll try to touch a little bit, this should be a speech in itself, of understanding technology and how it changed the whole entire mentality of the generation. But let's just take a look for a second of what we say that the children have chutzpah. They have chutzpah. They don't have any kibbutz of So let's try to understand that. Why would a kid not have kibbutz of His parents brought him into the world. They raised him. They took care of him. We know when he came out of his mother's stomach, if he would have been left alone for a couple of hours, he would be dead. Could do nothing on his own. They fed him. They took care of him. They raised him. Where's well, a basic concept of kibbutz Abayim. Come on, it's logical. Why do we struggle with that so much? Why do we put demands on our parents that we feel entitled to things? And then when they don't give us what we feel entitled to, we go to the therapist, then we say that we're traumatized. You understand? Self-induced trauma. Well, what do you feel like that for? So the answer is like this. Because if I grow up in a selfish world, which we'll see how the internet and the technology create that selfish world. But if I grow up in a selfish world, in a narcissistic world, 
then I believe that everybody is only motivated to do things that are good for themselves. They have no interest in doing anything for anybody else but themselves. Obviously, if my parents had children, it's because they wanted it for themselves. It was a selfish reason, and this is not my words, Haya Adam said this already many years ago. It's a selfish reason why they have kids. They want the pleasure of having kids. They want to have that feeling of having kids. That's you did for yourself. So nobody asked me my permission if I want to come into this world. You put me here against my will for your own good. You know what? It's your bad that I grew up with a good fine taste in life, you know? What should you do? That's what you made. You created that. You deal with it. I'm entitled to it. That's my legal rights. Otherwise, you're traumatizing me. I have rights. This Hayat Adam already says this. Hayat Adam, time of the Mishnah Bura. And that was before our world. That means the kid feels a sense of entitlement. That's where the Chutzpahazgi comes from. Now, which part of our society has built this up tremendously? This is technology in the highest way. Technology made the kid the consumer. Technology made you have your own things, what you want, you're in touch with what you want and what you need, and you need it ASAP, and you deserve it ASAP. And we created a world, a narcissistic world, that you're only interested in speaking to people who are interested in that you like you. You ever heard of social isolation? Sounds like a contradiction. Social only means you're going, you go out there, you're social. Isolated means you're the opposite. Today, internet created social isolation. I can isolate with myself in a social way. Only the people who like what I say, think what I think, do what I do, are isolated in my bubble of social, and that's my social life. Because it's all about you, and only you, and only you. And the metaverse is going to make things way worse, because then it's going to create a society that's virtually autistic. You basically live in your own world. The world of your imagination, the perfect world that you want it to be. And everything will be working out exactly like you. That's a very narcissistic place to be. So the internet, I want to bring out one last point. I have five minutes here on the internet. A very important point. How the technology itself is anti the entire Torah. Because what's the point? We believe in Hashkacha Peratit. Hashkacha Peratit means that we do not control the world. That means that the world is an unpredictable place. If tomorrow Hashem has to tell me to work on something, and He needs to give me some pain so I work on that thing, that's going to happen. If I did a Avera and Hashem wants me to fix it, He's going to make a problem in my business. If I go to davening every day and I don't think about Hashem and I pray, Hashem says, you forgot me, I'm going to let you remember me. I'm going to do something in your business and then you're going to remember me. We live with Hashem. Live with Hashem means the life is unpredictable. It's Hashem's world. It's not our world. And it's a world of avodah. But if I want to live, what does technology do for me? Technology gives me power. It gives me control. I can make it into a godless world. I don't need God. I have everything figured out to the T. I have my life worked out The more information I have, the more abilities I have, the more technology I have, the more independent I am from Hashem, and the more in control I am of my life, 
And I'm in a much safer place. I don't have to do anything. I don't have to change. That's anti-Torah. That's anti-Emunah. That's anti-everything. Because once I divorced Hashem from the world, and it became my world, it became Yaakov Arari's metaverse. It's my world. And in my world, I am the center of my world, and I'm the only important thing in my world. Memela, Arias. That's Memela. Because what's Arias? What is the Kedusha in marriage? When we get married for a higher purpose, not for your own pleasures, you get married for a higher purpose to build the Bayin Ne'eman Yisrael, a Bayin for, for Torah, to build Hashem's nation, a nation of Ashad Shekhinah. I'm using that desire for an elevated, holy purpose and mission and I put myself in the back burner. But that's only if it's a God world. That's only if it's Hashem's world. Not Hashem's world, it's my world. My world, I'm the center of my world. That's my pleasure. That's my is. So that's why they're all connected with each other. Everything is connected with each other. It says in the Sifarim, in the time of Dor Vikvis of the Mashiach, it says a, a term which is not so relevant to you, but it's a deep term. It says, look for the Tahimir Rabbah, it says. Meaning, the depth of Tumah is going to be impossible. That's going to be the depth. And being that I only have three minutes, I'm going to say this last point quick. I feel bad, there's a lot to talk about here, but you have a long day ahead of you. The Nakuda is that this job is divided into three parts. Part number one is what we call Tzadikim Gimurim. The Tzadikim Gimurim are the people that are holy, that are learning, that are not attracted to all this that's going on. That's Tzadikim Gimurim. And they fight the Tum'ah from their Bet Midrash, so to speak. Then you have a concept called Benoni. Benoni is the average Jew. The average Jew, it's attracting to him. It talks to him. He's in the fight. But he's able to set up boundaries. He's able to fight the fight and set up boundaries and not get sucked into the Tumah. And then there's the third. The third group is called Ba'alei Teshuvah. Ba'alei Teshuvah means of the guys that got sucked in. Deep. And then they had to fight the Tum'ah from inside. And it brought down in Sefarim that the holiest souls are the ones who get sucked in. And the Ramchal writes, and my Magula in the time of Mashiach is going to be many, 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 many of those souls. So we need to see this in a very different way than we normally see. Of course, as parents, we have to try to make the holiest home possible. We have to try to set up the boundaries as much as possible. At least to be Benonim. But when we see kids that for whatever reason are sucked into the tumor more than the average kid, we have to know that these kids are special. These kids are great. They were given a mission that nobody from us could do. We're not built for it. The only thing we can do is give them the hizuk and the guidance and the necessary tools that they need to carry us. Carry us! That's the way we have to see it. We can't be like, okay, we lost one, finished. Next. No, 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 no. The guy that you think you lost, he's your savior. He's the man who's going to destroy the Tumah. Because he's in the pit with it. Hand-to-hand combat. That's what he's doing. We're shooting missiles from uh, back in the base at home. He's in the battle inside the enemy territory. Inside. Getting cut and beat in there. 
And when that kid sees the truth, then the tumor becomes batel in two seconds. Because he can see the emptiness more than anybody else can see the emptiness. We need to understand that we were put in this position in life to deal with Ikvisa the Mashiach. We were put into this position. And we have the siyat tashmai to do it, and we have to not be afraid of it. We have to understand the dangers of what we live in. We have to understand truly what the danger is. Not a superficial understanding, a deeper understanding. And learn how to give our kids attachments to Torah that makes them happy. That they don't have to go to that place. But I have to stop here because Alex is looking at me. So I can't continue this unbelievable subject that we really need to talk about. As parents, as educators, even as kids have to hear this. Maybe one day we'll have to do something. Okay.